Indeed. Love what you do and do what you love. We got another episode of the Folded Chair Podcast featuring this episode, Katina Booth White, a STEM educator, robotics instructor, curriculum designer and specialist, director of educational programs, a poet and a healer. Katina Booth White, yo, this is going to be a dope episode. Just a little about her. Everyone possesses a gift and a light that must be shared with the world for all of us to reach our greatest heights as a society. That's a quote from Katina Booth White. I know you got to love what you do and do what you love. This is going to be another dope episode. You don't want to miss it. Let's go. Welcome to the Folding Chair Podcast, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. It's me, your host, Osiris Bali. And today we got another great episode, another great guest. Today, we got a good friend of mine, Tina White. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hey, yo, I'm blessed. So we about to kick this thing off. Every episode, we started off with the game called Pick Six. Uh, it's a real fun game. Are you down to play pick six? I'm down. Let's go. All right, let's roll with it. Pick six, question number one. Tell me, what is a surprise talent or gift that you have that most people don't know you have? Oh, um, most people don't know I write poetry. Okay, okay. I knew that, but you say most You knew people. that. Most people don't know that. You okay. know that. Okay, all right. I forgot, I forgot. They don't know you a poet, but I know it. Yeah, I, you know it. <laughs> question number two, pick six. Uh, do you have a funny story or experience about back to school as a teacher or as a student? Just like a funny experience that you had on back on the first day back to school. Oh, a first day back to school. First week back to school. Yeah. Um, I do when I first started teaching, and I used to walk around with a backpack, and um, we had our first assembly. Yeah. And I walk into the cafeteria and I tell my kids to sit down. Well, the assistant principal told me to sit down because she thought I was a student. I, and she kept, she said it like one or two times. I'm like, and at first I kind of like, I am like, no, I'm good. She's like, you want to have a seat? I was like, no, I'm good. And then she came back again. She's like, no, you um, you gonna have a seat? I was like, no, I'm good. And then when she came back again, I was like, I'm 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 the teacher. She's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I I used to get that all the time all the time uh it that would happen the first week of school it's, it seemed like it happened at another school too i was walking down the hallway and you know all the kids supposed to be in class there in the bell principal started we get, get you're supposed to be in the hallway you're supposed to be in class i'm not i'm not i'm on prep i'm a teacher i'm a teacher that's it i used to walk around with a backpack so that's probably why well <laughs> I'm pretty sure they saw your face and just said, hey, you know what I'm saying? She looks pretty young, too. You know so it wasn't just all the backpack. Let's just go yeah. ahead and keep it up for genetics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, ground, ground. I was ground, ground. But yeah, I always, young, yeah. Young, black, and gifted. Come on. That's now. it. That's it. Somebody, That's it. Somebody, somebody ought, to, ought to feel me on that. Um, <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> Question number three, pick six. Can you tell me what is the best book that you have read over the last year? Ooh, uh, the best book so far has been The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. Okay. All right. No said, Bell Hooks, one of the legendary uh, writers in just period, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I believe she I believe she came up with the terminology womanness. Womanness. You are correct. Okay. All right. One point for Osiris. One point. One point. Five for Katina. Let's go. <laughs> Question number four, pick six. Matter of fact, all the listeners, make sure you go get uh you some literature by Bell Hooks. I gotta I gotta give her another shout out on that. You know what I'm saying? Great writer, great writer, but Question number four, pick six. If you could be a background dancer, singer, or artist for somebody, background dancer, singer, or hype man for an artist, who would it be? And tell me why, please. Oh, dancer. Uh I'm I'm a I'm a pig dancer. And I'm going to choose uh I have two or three. I either either Janet Jackson or um Beyonce be doing too much. Uh mm -hmm. but I'm a I'm a I'ma say Janet Jackson. Now Janet do a lot too. But Janet choreography was like on point. Or or Michael Jackson. Okay. All right, all right. So you be like Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, or, or yes, Rhythm Nation. Okay, okay, you be out there with the soldiers march. Okay. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. All right, all right, that ain't bad, right there, Janet Jackson. Question number five, pick six. If you could retire anywhere in the world, where do you think you would retire? What location? <sighs> You had the choice to do, go anywhere. If I had the choice, um, and you can stay here. <laughs> you, mm, mm. <laughs> I want to stay here. I would want to retire either in um, Ghana or Greece. Okay, okay. Ghana or Greece. Mm -hmm. Have you been to either place? I have never been to either either place. Okay, all right. Well, you, you know what I'm saying? You you would want to get up out of the country. I ain't mad I, at that. I do, I do, I do. All right, we almost at the end right here. Question number six, pick six. Name something that is on your career bucket list. Career bucket list. Career. You mean me professionally or something that I want to create? Uh, really, just what you, as far as like the work that you're doing. Okay. Be on your list as far as bucket list, something that you would want to do. I really, really, really want to do uh, a hip hop tech fest. Ooh, okay. A hip hop tech fest for for uh six through twelve graders. So if anybody want to collaborate with me on that, I mean, I'm talking about having DJs, having talking about sound booth, but also teaching coding and robotics and stuff like that, but making it for the culture. 
Oh, the man right here. I definitely want to do that. I'm talking about in rooms, having DJs and having like all the 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 looks, the clock, everything where they just they just come as they are. But I could teach them some tech stuff and talk about programming and coding and robotics and producing and things like that. Yep, hip hop tech fest. The man right here. I mean, come on, talking about somebody want to collaborate. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We 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 we. We'll put the conversation to the side. We could have been did. Yes, that's my that's my goal. That's my dream right now. That's one thing that's on my bucket list. Yeah. You know, when somebody mentioned a good idea, I immediately start visualizing it. That's how I am, and I start seeing it in my imagination. I see how, oh, that would be dope right there. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put my name to the side as a collaborator on that right there. We're gonna talk okay. about next. Okay, cool. That's what's up. All right. Well, congratulations. You made it through the big six. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you gave some really great answers. And uh, you know what I'm saying? So now we're going to get into the bulk of this interview. You know okay. what I'm saying? Tina White, I want you to tell, tell me about yourself. Just give the people a brief uh, description about who you are and what you do. And you know what I'm saying? Get them a little bit more familiar with you. I um of course I'm I'm Tina um I design uh my specialty is I design a STEM curriculum that is culturally relevant, impactful, connects to the real world for kindergarten through twelfth grade uh students. Um, I'm a STEM. I love STEM. I love science, technology, engineering, math, all those aspects of that and how they impact our world. And um, I'm just me. I'm. Sometimes I'm quiet, sometimes I'm not. And um, I love what I do and I have a passion for what I do. And um, I have a passion for my community and how that impacts my community. That's me. Already, already. So, you know what I'm saying? You broke it down. Look forever be broken by who you are. When I, you know what I'm saying? Well, not when I first met you, but I remember you know what I'm saying, when you first got into teaching. And I just knew that when you told me you was gonna start teaching, I knew you was gonna be great at what you did because you work hard and you're a talented person. But I don't know the journey. So how did you know that you wanted to become a teacher? And what was your journey to actually becoming one? Um, I didn't want to be a teacher at first. So when I when I graduated high school, I really wanted to be an engineer. Um, and so I started at the U of A as an, uh, as an engineering major, an industrial engineering major, uh, which I probably should have done mechanical engineering, uh, but I chose not to do that because I would have been like, not just the only female, but I would have been the only black female. And I really felt uncomfortable doing that. So I just stayed in industrial engineering, no, um, I did that for maybe two years and uh, struggled with that as far as like, was this, is this the path that I wanted to be on? Uh, dealt with like some social anxiety. That's when mental health really impacted me during that time as well. And so then decided to come home and then I went home, came home and um, didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I got a job at ADE as a, a what uh, it was like an administrative specialist position, mm -hmm. Arkansas Department of Education. And I I did not, I didn't know if I wanted to teach or not. Um, 
So I really, I went on a path of really trying to figure out who I was and what I want to do. And then I ran into this awesome group at Mediums uh, that uh, showed me that it was okay to be one Black and be smart and uh and be comfortable in my whole my whole self and so from that I wrote in my journal I think it may have been 2007 that I believe that God was calling me to actually teach but I didn't know how how I was going to do it and um and I owed money to Fayetteville so I didn't know I didn't know how I was going to be able to make that happen and probably six months later I got a job at Euler where they pay 90% of your tuition. And so, uh, and that's where I started on my career of like becoming an educator. And um, even outside of that, I started tutoring. Uh, my mom and I were going to start a tutoring tutoring center at our at her house just for the kids in the neighborhood. And then we found out that we needed it. Somebody said we could partner with another local organization, which is Life Skills for the Youth. Shout out to Coach Clark, who is who played an integral part in me becoming an educator. So for six years, I volunteered just as a tutor mm-hmm. and um, tutored kids in Southwest Little Rock uh, for three days, three days out the week. Uh, and so that started me on my passion and looking at the needs of those kids in the community, how I could build capacity and things like that. So I started on that. And then I graduated and became an educator. So that's how, that's the path. That's the short version. I have a whole, a long, longer version, but of course, this is how I became an educator. And that's what started it. Um, I knew I love math. I knew I love science. And I knew how those impacted me and impacted our community. And I wanted to be able to translate that for young people. That's what's up. That's what's up. I didn't learn something just then and there. And so, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you were you were connecting with the young people as you were tutoring. And you know what I'm saying? You wanted to start that tutoring program, but you know what I'm saying? You figured out how to do all of that. Um, also remember, you know what I'm saying, that you were teaching robotics. You were like the first person that I ever known that taught robotics. And I was like, so you could learn that in high school. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I actually I actually started teaching that to middle schoolers. So what happened was I was I did first year teaching at Jacksonville and the uh, the principal they were starting a new program. It was called Project Lead the Way. And they needed somebody to teach automation and robotics. Well, you know, I had those two years of engineering. So I did some programming, done calculus, done like three-dimensional design and stuff like that. And so he's like, you'd be a good fit. And uh, cool, I taught Project Lead the Way. And I really wasn't intending on teaching robotics, but I went to a conference and it's this guy, I can't even think of his name, uh, he's like, hey, you want to teach automation and robotics? You want to start a robotics team? I'm like, nah, because I got too much on my plate. I was also a single mom at that time. So my baby was just one years old. Uh, and so I was like, nah, I ain't got the time. But he was like, I'll help you. We can write a grant, get some robots for your kids and things like that. And it was like one of the best things because I love, 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 love what robotics brings out of the sky, out of, out of students. So, yep. That wasn't, I wasn't looking for that either. <laughs> you weren't looking for it, but it found you. It found me. It found me. And how was, 
how successful would you say that like you start teaching that? How did how did that like turn out? Well, when I started teaching, I've um every at both schools I started a robotics team. So I started, I taught at Jacksonville, I started a robotics team there, I started at Sylvan Hills, I started a robotics team there. I've uh, had teams go to state, win district, win state, and then I took a team in 2018. I think maybe 2018, 2019, when I moved to Forest Heights, um, I took them to uh, Worlds. And so we've, uh, and they they ranked in the top 50 internationally. So uh, yeah, I've done some pretty, it's been pretty amazing. It's been pretty amazing to see, to build and facilitate the greatness in the young people that I've I've been had the opportunity to be on my team and so they start with me in sixth grade and often my students have been the feeders into the other high schools who also have robotics teams and they've gone and competed like multiple years in worlds which they should because they started in sixth grade and so I'm all about building capacity at the same time so if they had me sixth seven and eighth grade by the ninth grade they should be a beast mm -hmm. that's what's yeah. up and I know you mentioned that like one of the things that turned you from like taking mechanical engineering was the fact that you know you didn't see anybody that really looked like you as being a black woman in that space. And are you starting like what was that space like for you as like teaching robotics and having these teams and like well, are you see diversity in the teams you see diversity in the coaches like you like what, what well like? not in the coaches I would not say in the coaches but I did see diversity in my team and so what I would do is I was intentionally I would intentionally ask questions like um I had to make I wanted to make sure that my my team was represent was a representative of the school population so I did want a team with all what one ethnicity and things like that so I had to make sure I intentionally made sure which is why representation matters because yeah. if you don't have the voices in the space then um then nobody speaks up for those who are not considered um yeah. and you find that in in science education in classrooms teachers can be gatekeepers of opportunities so when we look at science like science, I was coach of science Olympia I was coach of I've been coach of 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 a multiple robotics teams the fact that I have a lens to say you need to make sure this student is included this student is included this student is included and I there have been times where teachers were like really that student yeah that student right so uh like they'll look at athletes and think they can't be on the robotics team well i have i've had students on robotics on my robotics team that skip championship games to come to the robotics competition mm. and so um so those voices those the representation definitely matters when it comes to even in even in k-12 environments you need you we need teachers of color, black teachers, to be on in teaching science, engineering, those things because they need those lens to, uh, they need those voices to speak up for those students who other teachers might exclude. Right. So, it right. so I found that out in that environment. But yeah, no coaches. I probably was. I remember when we won district one time. Uh, I had two teams that won. The one came in. One came in first, one came in second. And they they congratulated the other coach who, who was white and they didn't congratulate me. And I'm like, I'm the coach. 
Mm. So um, the assumption was that this was not, you know, so it was that. You weren't the, you weren't the lead on this. Basically. I wasn't the lead on this. And yeah. uh, and so, and then I've also had to, had to uh, challenge misconceptions from parents that have had students on my robotics team of thinking that, you know, I'm inadequate. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, I've they've I've proven them wrong. <laughs> and so now those those same said parents, they now contact me and call me and all that type of stuff. So uh, but you definitely I have had to speak up for those that other teachers have wanted to exclude. And uh, robotics is a good way to show problem solving and solution. And I think our kids are missing out on that if they're not a part of that. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You being the person that started a lot of this, and also, you know what I'm saying, you mentioned that you were a single parent when you first got started, too. Yeah. And I know that that also probably, like, gave you some insight on how to include other kids, too, as well, because a lot of times, you know, our kids from those single-parent homes are kind of overlooked, uh, you know, I feel like in the educational setting because they feel like their parents might not be as engaged and all that type of stuff. Yeah, and then we are, we we talk about it. We look at access. So there's a lot of times of like accessibility. Um, and my daughter often came with me, so she I do recognize that I even even I was I was in a privileged position as a single parent even so that because I was in this space my daughter had the privilege of actually coming with me so every tournament she came to she went to worlds with us she went to all of that um and so she was exposed to that and that is the one thing that I'd like fight for for access and opportunity if anybody wants to do a robotics team it's like well do you have transportation you mm-hmm. got to provide transportation because everybody doesn't have that access to pick up their kid at 3 30 4 4 o'clock right when they get yeah. off at five so uh especially as a single parent and so um those things those things provided a lens of like what i needed what i needed as a single parent to even participate in certain things so yeah it does it did it provided a big a a big lens and I'm still saying stuff like that because <laughs> no, I have to tell people as a single mom this is what like if I do a STEM camp and people are like well they need to we need to shut it down close it at two and I was like well as a single parent like me if I don't get off work to five I don't have anybody to come pick my baby up at a two o'clock so that mm-hmm. limits the access that they're able to attend you know, they, the ability to attend a camp or a STEM camp or a robotics camp, especially if they have day camps, you know, single parents can't come in the middle of the day to try to pick up their child. Who doing that? Mm-hmm. Unless you have a good person to come, a reliable person to come pick them up. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned all of this. And cost. And cost. I know robotics itself you know we had kids we i get 10 kids those 10 kids cost me ten thousand dollars right so we're talking about access and you're talking about opportunity you also talk about funding and it's connected to that and everybody doesn't have that accessibility and opportunity so uh we definitely need to be making sure that every school is to have the has the ability to do that to provide especially automation and robotics like it's the 
being on the robotics team, having a robotics team, going to robotics competition is really an experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you're saying all of this because people always ask me, you know, when I'm doing things with the youth, how do you get so many engaged and how do you make those programs successful? And it's all about accessibility. It's all about, you know, working with the right people, uh, getting those that funding together, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's real and then one of the key things is like having some people that, that you work with that really enjoy working with children and, and enjoy uh the, the things that they're doing as far as like the programs, because you're not just doing them for a paycheck a lot of times, you're doing them because you really have a passion for teaching the youth this. And I believe one of the one of the things that we have to understand in order for our youth to succeed, uh, we have to learn to uh, help them diversify their interests. Yep, yep, yep. We have to, we have to. But I also think there's a translation piece that has to occur between uh, when I talk about science, technology, engineering, and math. There's a translation piece of why it's important, and mm -hmm. a lot of us are like. I'm not saying a lot of us, but there tends to be a disconnect between why why STEM is important, why STEM is important. Well, science has always been an important piece of our life every day, all day, every day. Uh, technology is uh, is an integral part. I don't know nobody, you know. Uh, I mean, people we take showers. That's that's technology. You you write, you brush your teeth. All of those things are embedded in our everyday life. And then we think about if those things go missing, or those things don't happen. Uh, then what do we do? So like, if we're not problem solvers, then who's creating? Who's who's going to solve the problems for us? And I think STEM is a good way for us to solve problems within our community. And be we've been having that creativity and ingenuity in our blood. We've been doing that, and I think uh, that we should get back to it. Most definitely, most definitely. Hey, are y'all picking up the jewels that are being dropped? That's all I want to know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tina then broke it down for y'all. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, you know what I'm saying? You had a lot of success uh, in your teaching career, programs that you put together, you know, robotics, STEM, all of that. And so uh, recently, amongst all those things that you've done, you added author to that list of accomplishments. Tell us about the books that you have published and, you know, of course, you know, let folks know where they can find them. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, me and my sisters, Amber Booth McCoy and Courtney Booth Acres, we do have a children's book called STEM Looks Like Me. Um, it started on the side of, of me teaching for 10 years. Uh, five of those years, Amber Booth and I, re, um, we co-created Junior STEM Academy and Senior STEM Academy, which are camps that we have uh, That's that was a summer program. Within that, at the end, we have a closing ceremony and we give a charge. And the charge, I gave a charge that year and it was uh, STEM looks like me while I had the kids repeat. Scientists look like me. Technologists look like me. And then Amber, was, Amber said, hey, let's make that a book. Cool. And so we decided to make to do STEM looks like me as a children's book. And what it does is it follows twins, Amber and Alex. And um, 
they go through the alphabet of all these various uh, STEM careers that are possible. And um, it's a good way of uh, exposure to various careers. And it's not just a doctor. It's not just, it's there are various aspects of in STEM career. There are various STEM careers that students could actually go into. So we utilize that. And then we have a, a, a Black Sisterhood anthology, Amber Booth and I, and um, it's called Dear Sis, I Love You. Um, Amber went through her, she went researching and said that there are no books on Black sisterhood. And actually we have, a, I think we, cur we curated, we have about, I think about 20, 22 uh, contributors to the anthology local uh, from all over the world and locally, poets, uh, children. We have a couple of young young people that wrote letters to of what black sisterhood means to them and we just wanted to acknowledge what how black sisterhood has has sustained us and upheld us through through our years through the years of us growing up and becoming becoming women and things like that so those are the two books that we have out right now already and uh so these are available online right yes they are you can go to amazon um and look up stem looks like me and then you can go on amazon and look up uh black sister uh this is i love you it's also this is i love you is also on barnes and nobles as well oh okay i forgot who i was talking to for a second <laughs> you know i thought i mentioned that i, I thought you thought it sounded like big timers from cash money records whatever you know what i'm saying y'all in barnes and nobles so you pick it up on amazon.com man you can go up in the Barnes and Noble, pick that up. Yo, that's yep. great. That's great. You know what I'm saying? You inspire me. Maybe you know, get some of my ideas down and make them, uh, make them into physical copies. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm so excited to read that. I want to oh, read yeah. that. I'm ready to read. I'm ready to read, dear sis, and I'm ready to, uh, you know, get the kids uh, STEM look like me. You know what I'm saying? Because that's very. That's very needed right now in our society. You know what I'm saying? We need to, like I say, help our kids diversify their interests, make sure we give them every opportunity to succeed. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yep. So, so uh, I gotta, I gotta uh, ask you about the, the STEM summer programs that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That sounds real good. And you know what I'm saying? A lot of times I know our parents I always, this is what I do every, before, not even every summer, every spring, late winter, I start sending out messages to everybody on my social media list, making uh, statements I've been doing for like the past couple of years, letting them know, hey, the sign up has already started for your child summer program. Don't wait until May 31st and say, I need something for my baby to do. June, July, beginning of August. And so Please I stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because because from experience, I know that summer programs fill up real quick. And you know what I'm saying? Especially the good ones. And especially the ones that, you know what I'm saying, are not just um, we sitting down, eating lunch, sitting down, eating breakfast, sitting down, waiting for parents to come pick us up. You know, saying there are activities, field trips involved, and you get something out of it every day. There's nothing wrong with our pro summer programs. I'm not saying that, but a lot of them, you know, you know, they they don't have the programming 
needed to engage you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because of staff sizes and, you know, since just limited resources. Right. So tell me a little bit more because for the people that can't do it this summer because it's already started, next year you'll have a, they'll be first to sign up. Tell me about these STEM summer academies that you help create and start. Yeah, what we have is right now is a pathway. So um, I create I uh, intentionally create with a group of teachers now because I have a curriculum team uh, that uh, we create curriculum for a statewide program. So we are located in eight areas across the state and uh, we intentionally build curriculum that is one engaging, culturally relevant and impactful to our young people where they're able to see themselves within STEM. And um, this year, uh, it's been phenomenal. It goes from kindergarten through 12th grade. So once you apply, you end. So it's a pathway. My goal is to build capacity. Uh, so they start off with doing engineering and they start they start doing engineering labs, science inquiry labs, uh, learning how to, learning about experimental design, um, but also making it relevant. So this year we had our kids creating prosthetics for those that don't have, that, are, that suffer from, that don't have legs. We, they created ramps for wheelchairs. They looked at pedometers. They looked at uh, heart pumps. I even have like my older kids, sixth through 12th grade participating, doing community-based participatory research, utilizing photo voice. Um, um, and intentionally creating engagement. It's not an outreach. So I want to make that clear. This is not an outreach. It is an engagement program. So even when we make improvements, we utilize all voices that are included. That includes the teachers' voices, the, adv the advocates, which we call our parents, which we call advocates, and then our scholars. Um, they are included, their voices. So I do a survey every time to try to see what didn't work this year, what did you not like, and I'm gonna make sure that that's embedded into what we do next year. So it's intentional programming from, from the staffing to um, the class ratio to the activities to who I partner with, who we bring in, how does it connect, can it create a holistic experience for the scholars? Very intentional about it. Um, and so we are... That's what I that's what I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, the scholars across the state have really, really enjoyed it, which I'm super excited. And also the educators have really enjoyed teaching it because um, they get an opportunity to actually teach in a way that they don't get a chance to do in the classroom, which is team teaching at times. Um mm -hmm smaller classes because I'm intentional about that especially when we're doing STEM engagement um and it's just been it's just been wonderful so I'm super that's the best part of what I do and uh that's what it is and so uh it fills up really fast yeah. and uh super fast which is which lets me know it's good um and it's doing what it needs to do um so we 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 talk about anything from health disparities to uh to disability to uh to we have innovators thinkers and tinkers that look like all the kids that are involved in my program uh so it's very intentional all the way down to how we plan the class sizes and even food and all of that so yeah it's fun i can hear the excitement in your voice you know what i'm saying it you were saying uh Get your people signed up for 2024. You know what I'm saying? You said they got programs all over the state. And, you know, that sounds like 
you know, the more you're growing, it, it just shows that it's, it's proof that these are methods, methods and programs that actually work and that the parents are wanting their children to do and the children are excited about doing it too. So shout out to you mm -hmm. doing your thing, books, programs, in the classroom, you know what I'm saying? Everything got you got going on. It's been great talking to you. And I, I got to end you uh, in, in this episode with our segment that we always find every episode with. Yeah, we finished the episode with Unplug Your Microwave. Well, we say, hey, we're going to step back and stop thinking that we're going to change the world, you know what I'm saying, with uh, one week of activities, one tweet, one Facebook post, uh, one meeting, you know what I'm saying? We got to start thinking long-term. How, right. how do we uh, strategize long-term? How do we build corrective actions long-term in order to, you know, be successful in our in our thoughts and ideas? Um and so my question to you, you know, so you bring a wealth of knowledge to the table um, with all your experience and, and all the things that you've done. Uh, when we look at things through a racial equity lens, how do we help diversify the field of STEM, uh, looking through a racial equity lens, and how do we continue to engage youth long-term-wise, in particular, you know what I'm saying, uh, our youth, color, how do we continue to engage them long-term in the field of STEM as well? Okay, in the field of STEM, one, um, okay, so mine is twofold, so it may, I don't, I don't really know how to articulate this, but I'll try my best. Um, one, we need to do intentional programming. Mm -hmm. Intentional programming means you utilize uh, youth voices to create the program and sustain it. Um, we got to get out of doing outreach and do engagement. The engagement piece is where parents don't have to make their kids come. Their kids want to come. But you can only do that by utilizing youth voices, advocate voices, and those that are involved in that. And that matters a lot. So I've seen a lot of programs happen, but not intentional programming, right? So that that piece of utilizing the voices of who you're trying to serve matter. It doesn't. It, it's not going to be cookie cutter. It takes some time, and it's and it and you might not get it right the first time, but you keep on utilizing those voices of who you're trying to serve, then that's good. That's good. Most of the time we go in and say, I think you need, and it's not, I think you need, let them tell you what they need. And then you create curriculum and programming around that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's building, that's being intentional about that. Another thing is, um, <sighs> we got to get out of clicks. We got to disregard titles. <laughs> <laughs> disregard titles uh credentials and invite those that we don't see at the table they need to be at the table even if we're not friends with them even if you don't know them they need to be at the table what i'm finding is what i'm seeing my lens is that we have a group we have groups of cliques and we're not really collaborative collaboratively collaborative we actually need to be working together and bring those who have who are making an impact and have a specialty that you need at the table. They need to be at the table. Um, and especially when it comes to racial equity, we are going to have to get outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that we are we usually associate with. You need to bring some new people in. That's it. That's all I have right now. I have a lot more, but uh, 
I'm trying to figure out. I can't figure out how to really articulate it without you know, you, sounding you, all gibberish. Yeah, no, you said it. You said you said it well. You articulated that well. I, I take everything. It spoke to me. You was preaching to me a little bit too, because we do have to step outside of our cliques and uh, bring new people to the table, and that's something that um, we have to understand that all the Everybody we consider a stakeholder ain't going to come with a title, ain't going to come with a degree, you know what I'm saying? They come with different strengths, and everybody has a role in this ecosystem for social change. So uh, you spoke to me with that, you know what I'm saying? Forget about these titles sometimes. And most importantly, you said, let's talk to the youth, listen to them, listen to what their needs are. They'll speak to us and tell us what they need, and then build a programming around that. Too as well, so hey, you didn't uh, you didn't drop them. You didn't drop these jewels for us today. And uh, quit looking at all the numbers. Like I want five hundred. Well, if you don't have enough to impact five hundred, why don't you start with the one hundred? When you start with the one hundred and make impact on that, then you're gonna get more people that want to be involved and collaborate. But we start with all a lot of programs are starting with like I want I want to impact this number. We're gonna start, and you don't have the resources to even impact that number. Yeah. So that's what I talk about, intentional programming. I mean that, intentional programming. And that means that if you have to start small with 50, let's start with 50, and we can make an impact on those 50 and build and build capacity and have them strong, and then we get more that are involved. Uh, but it it does. And utilizing their voices, they matter. They tell you. They'll tell you if that food nasty. They'll tell you if this was boring. They'll tell you, we want to do this. We want to do that. And then you create intentional programming around that to make sure it's engaging. Uh, every time I create curriculum, it ain't the it ain't be, it ain't the best. Even this summer, I've gotten feedback from my high school and my middle school students and my elementary of like this this don't work. And I I put my daughter in programs in which I create, which I'm comfortable. That's why the pro, I I intentionally create programming that I will I'm okay with my daughter attending. And if it's a program that I haven't put my daughter in, it means I'm not okay with that. They're not intentional enough for me. Mm. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, I, I like a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? When we work with people, you know what I'm saying? We, we, uh, we, we have our game plans together. And then sometimes you know, we, we document what we got going on as if, as if everything's finalized. But actually, they're just living documents because things are going to change and we're going to have to strategize different. The world changes, so, so plans change and stuff like that. So got to be able to adapt and take take feedback take feedback feedback is always it's always it's always improvement especially when you're dealing with humans humans mm. change and you they're not the same and so there are there are going there is going to be feedback that you utilize that you can utilize and and they and they know what they need and they know what they like like they want more fun and more fun let's see what we can do let's see how we can tweak that um but actually utilizing voices utilizing the voices of those you serve to create programming is intent is it that to me is you you got to be intentional about that no doubt no doubt yo you didn't you didn't gave us a lot of good information is there any announcements that you have anything that you want to plug before we shut it down um, I, I, I don't, I haven't, I'm speaking at Diamonds in the Rough and Hot Springs. I'm doing like a STEM activity. Um, that'll be on July 20, July 29th, I think. 
on a Saturday. Um, so if any anybody who's listening in there in hot in the hot springs area, make sure you sign up for Diamonds in the Rough. Um, that's gonna be great. And I think that's the only thing I have. Oh, we are having a, a book release for our book, Dear Sis, Dear Sis. It'll happen sometime next month. We're gonna do a sis easy. Um, and more information yes. to be coming out mm-hmm. on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, it sounds good. Well, it's been great talking to you. This has been another episode of the Folded Chair Podcast. Hey, we named the episode after a quote from Shirley Chisholm. She said, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. That's how we rocking over here. We powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. We appreciate y'all listening. Until next time, peace and enjoy your life. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Photo Chair Podcast. I know y'all enjoyed that conversation, so I just want to give y'all a reminder. Check it out. If you're interested in getting those books, make sure you email me at osiris at arpanel.org, and I'll put you in contact with Katina Booth White. Remember those two books, STEM Looks Like Me and Dear Sis, I Love You, an anthology of black sisterhood. Until next time. Y'all continue to keep on striving to be great. Peace.